You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. It's not big enough, but it's sure good when you're having it. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. Rami. Contract is really a result of just tireless effort from so many people. It's not just about the head coach. The head coach is only as good as the people that work for them, Period. And I'm a perfect example of that. A perfect example of having an elite staff. Tireless work by so many people uh, that allow you to be the best head coach you can be. I couldn't ask for a better group of young men, and they were huge in this decision. I love coaching them every single day. This is a very fun team. It's a very fun culture. It's very different. But I love these young men. I love them as my own sons. A lot of times, it's at times easy for coaches to pick up and leave and go different places and These are very, very special people, and I believe in what we can do here at the University of Minnesota because of them. Who would have thought that it was Judd Zolgad's pointed question to P.J. Fleck on our show yesterday? Way to go, buddy. Thank you very much. Outstanding. No one had thought of it. So do you think they started from from square one? He gets off the phone with Mackie and Judd with Rami. He's like, oh, my God. People are talking about me going somewhere else. crazy. This guy, I don't even know who it was. What was his name again? Zolgad? (laughs) Zolgad. I love it. That guy just said Florida State has an opening, yeah. and that I might be in demand. I better uh, better take this to Mark Coyle. Better put it. He called USC, this. Notre Dame. He called them all, and they're all like, "You're leaving?" No, no, no. Mark Coyle was in on that phone call, listening. You just didn't know it. That's what it was. Okay, mm. it was it was bugged. So, uh, Judd, you have some of the contract details. So, here's my my main questions would be: uh, Where is he now in terms of? Salary rankings in the Big Ten. How how much of a bump is this? Because we all know the seven year contract extension doesn't really mean anything. It's about how much money do you make annually, and how much would it cost if he wanted to take a job right. somewhere else? How hard would it be for him to leave the, the life, University of Minnesota? What's the life insurance policy? Yeah. Is basically what we're asking. <laughs> That's the key question. And according to a report in the Star Tribune, Mark Coyle told reporters today at the press conference announced, announcing this: the buyout of Fleck were to leave the university is ten million dollars. Okay. So, so, so right now, hun- and it goes down as we go. So forward. yeah, so it's a big chunk of change: ten million dollars. The contract's going to go from, so he signed originally in 2017, then signed two one-year extensions. He was making um, $3.6 million for 2019, which ranked, according to the USA Today stats on this, 37th out among 130 FBS coaches okay. and 11th of the 14 Big Ten coaches at $3.6 million. It's It's now going to increase with this new contract, which is going to run through 2026. So it's, essentially they're scrubbing the old contract. It's now going to increase his average to four point six million, so up from three point six okay. to four points. This is good because I don't know what this guarantees. This doesn't guarantee that he stays until two thousand twenty six, like you just outlined. No, doesn't guarantee that by any means. In fact, college coaches pretty much never get to the final year of their contract. They either get fired before it or they leave somewhere else. They right. just keep or there's an extension. Yeah. Right? 
but I think it it 100% ensures that he will not be taking a job elsewhere this season. Correct. And that they will be able to build off of the momentum of this season and potentially a big-time bowl game. They're headed right now, unless they completely slip up in the last month with uh, with losing three of their last four, to the Big Ten championship game. That's That's where the road is headed. And for him to at least be around for next year, they can capitalize from a recruiting standpoint, and they can take the momentum. So this is a good, good decision. Now, some people, let me ask you guys this. Some people are saying, why wouldn't you wait <laughs> one more week even? Why wouldn't you just kind of see, what does this car look like up against a Ferrari? You're like, what, this car that the Gophers and P.J. Fleck have oh, built? Oh, if you're the Gophers, I thought you were saying if you're P.J. Fleck, because his profile raises considerably if he wins this game yeah, on Saturday. But don't you just, well, let's look and at every, it from both and perspectives. Every, and every win after that. If I'm P.J., I'm taking the raise right now. I'll take the $4 million right now because I don't know what's going to happen against Penn State. And also, if another school has to buy out my contract, that's not my problem. That $10 million doesn't come out of my pocket. I'm fine. But would you guys have wanted to see... The Penn State game, the Iowa game, the the game against Wisconsin, any of those games in this stretch before you committed to a much more bloated contract and a contract extension. No. I would I would have gone right now. I'm good. I'm, I'm in on PJ a, Fleck. That's such a tough one because if you do that, then he might say, I mean, if he beats Penn State, he might be like, well, hold on a second here. Uh, I will say this. I think if you're a football coach who comes to this school and makes what appears to be the progress that this guy has made in two-plus years – and has this success, and by the way, can coach offense really well and also recruit, I'm willing to commit. I am. Because how many coaches have we seen? We saw Jim Wacker get an extension here. We saw Mace, when things were going south, got an extension, I believe. So, yeah, I. it's a loaded question because, yeah, the next four games you'd like to see them, obviously. But if I'm Coyle, oh, and also, too. So let's say they said, let's just wait here. PJ, we're going to wait. And they beat Penn State. Let's just say they do, okay? And then they lose to Iowa. They beat Northwestern and Wisconsin. And PJ's like, uh, you know, um, put that contract on hold because I got USC's calling, Notre Dame's calling. We on this show would be like, Mark Coyle, what were you doing? Like, Phil, think about all the times that we criticized that school yeah. for dumb things and not being proactive and saying, why can't you, why can't you get something right? I would far, I would far prefer to be ahead of something and maybe you're slightly wrong. I don't think that you're you overpaying are. maybe a little yeah. bit. Yeah. As opposed to, oh, he just took a job. Congratulations. Nice work, Mark Coyle. Yeah. Rami, would you have, would you have waited for more games if you were Mark Coyle? And if you were running the, the Gopher Athletic Department? Or would you, or are you good saying, hey, before no, I mean, you play this primetime month of games, we'll just get you locked up? No, because I'm, I know at this point, I want PJ Fleck to be my head coach beyond this year, regardless of the result this Saturday or yeah. the next three or four Saturdays. That's, that's not going to change this season. I mean, if you're, if you're that unsure about PJ Fleck, well, you should probably be looking for another head coach right now. If, if you're going to wait three or four games or to, before you decide to buy in on this guy and commit to him. No, I mean, you're, you're locked into PJ Fleck right now. He's the one with leverage, if anything, at this point. That's why I didn't know from which angle you were even asking the question, because to me, PJ Fleck is the guy of these two parties who has some leverage. He'll be in some demand. Now, that demand could vary based on what happens against Penn State and what happens with the remainder of the season, but he's in demand in, 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 at some level to get a job that's bigger and better in some ways than Minnesota yeah. at this point. Although I will say this about this job, and again, I'm, we're not talking about Alabama or 
USC here. Okay, I'm not I'm not gonna go crazy, but this is a lot better job today on November fifth, two thousand nineteen, than it was five years ago before the practice facility. Than it was ten years ago when Tim Brewster had the job. This is a job now. You've got you've got a one hundred plus million dollar facility. So you've got all all the things that that from Tubby Smith on the basketball side to Glenn Mason uh, to Jerry Kill where they were literally practicing in like 30-year-old leaky facilities, right? You've got the facility. Oh, just because they leaked when it rained outside, dude. It was <laughs> yeah, just, fine. Just because like, you just, couldn't, you couldn't have punter practice. Punts hit the <laughs> Played in the elements, all right? Be a man. <laughs> you know what? If you stood on the, the sideline and watched practice and you didn't bring your umbrella, that was your own damn fault, okay? That's true. true. I mean, come on. Yeah, if you weren't willing to shovel snow before practice so you could clear a path. Builds character. Special teams. Builds character. You I don't walk, see the problem. You walked what, backwards with no shoes on to practice, and you were fine. Exactly. Uphill. uphill and just both ways. ways. Yeah, exactly. It's crazy. Uh, by the way, speaking of Gophers and Penn State, in about 10 minutes from now, 10, 15 minutes, we will talk to one of the uh, most interesting heroes in Gopher football history, Dan Nystrom, made the kick 20 years ago this week, right? Is it 20 years ago this week, I think, when the Gophers knocked off number two Penn State? (laughs) And uh, we're going to have Dan Nystrom on the show in like 10 or 15 minutes. You mentioned it's a $10 million buyout, you said, right, Judd? That's what, yeah. Have you guys seen some of the buyouts around college football right now? No. Lay them on us. Jimbo Fisher, I pulled this up while we were talking. How much do you think Jimbo Fisher's buyout is at Texas A&M? 18. Wait, did he get fired? Uh no. No, but know. if he were to be if he were to be hired away from Texas A and M. Eighteen. Sixty eight million dollars. No! What? Yes. what? Jimbo? I swear. I swear to you. Is that the full lo- pr- is that the full price? I'm looking at the list right now. Buy and this is And Jerry Jones is writing that check right now. This is as of December first, twenty eighteen, this article that I have up from Hero Sports. He has the highest buyout at sixty eight million one hundred twenty five thousand dollars. <laughs> that's gotta be the full that's just the full contract. It must right? be. It must be. <laughs> Urban Meyer, before he left Ohio State, he was the next highest, $38 million. Wow. Nick Saban, $33 million. What's Brian Kelly's? Uh, it is not on this list that I'm looking at. $12.50. So, so low enough. <laughs> low the, enough. The lowest on this list is Lincoln Riley at just over, at almost $21 million. My God. So Think $10 million. Security, I mean, if you're a big-time program, yeah, it's $10 million isn't going to scare you off from hiring, from hiring I mean, P.J. Fleck if, right now. Let's just say for fun here. Let's just say, uh, let's say Notre Dame. I don't think Notre Dame. Notre Dame would go if they fire Brian Kelly. If Notre Dame loses a couple games that they're not supposed to, and it's just time to be done with Brian Kelly, uh, Notre Dame would probably go after Urban Meyer before they would go down the list of PJ Fleck. But PJ Fleck would be on a short list of three or five if Notre Dame opened up that job. Notre Dame paid Charlie Weiss for like seven years to sit at home. They paid Charlie Weiss from like two thousand. Eight to two thousand. Were they paying like two or three guys all at the same time? They were paying yes. Willingham. They were Weiss. paying Tyron Willingham, Weiss, and then did uh, Brian Kelly took over for Weiss? Right, he's been there. He's been there for ten years. I think that's right. Yeah. So I believe they were paying three coaches a combined like twenty million dollars a year because they just decided they were done with Willingham. And so there, if you if you got money, if you got Notre Dame money, you got a bunch of. Multi-million dollar uh, A lot in that alumni. collection plate at Notre Dame. <laughs> a lot That's in true. that collection Pass plate. Pass it around. That's what Damn, they do. Sir. Pass it around the stadium. <laughs> you got a problem with that? None great. at all. None at all. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll get back to Gophers here a little bit. Mackie and Judd with Rami. We'll, uh, later on, we will dive into the news that came out yesterday. Jake Odorizzi gets the qualifying offer for $17.8 million. We're going to dive into that later on 
in the hour. But uh, the Vikings are still licking their wounds. It's a gamble anytime you challenge those, but you know they they have to they have to be held accountable too. So the uh, then the other one was you know obviously a bad call because they they overturned it and then uh, and then let they let the last one go. So you know it's it's hard to tell. How did you feel Kirk Cousins play today? Um. I think there's some plays he wanted. He'd rather get back. Um, you know, I don't think we helped him a lot today. Hmm. There's Mike Zimmer talking about Sunday's loss to the Kansas City Chiefs. He didn't. He didn't protect his quarterback at all in his post game press conference. Well, no, that wasn't post game. That was yesterday. That was the day after a press conference. Didn't help his quarterback much at all in talking about that. There was another soundbite. I don't know if you have it there, Phil, where he talks about Kirk Cousins probably said a little bit too much after that game. I don't know if I have that one. I'm just going to click a couple here. Okay, oh. just poke and hope. Okay, hold on a second. On those final two drives, do you, <laughs> like looking back at those now, was pressure a factor there and just not being able to get anything done? See, like, I, I happened to watch Kirk's press conference after the game, and he gave up way too much information. But basically, one of the screens, they were in man coverage, and they covered it, so we ended up losing like four yards. Uh, we had another play call that we could have checked out of. You know, So there's a bunch of different things. Why do you put that out there? Like, why do you even what? Like that's if you think Kirk has given up too much in the press conference, you pull Kirk inside. You don't go into like he just did the same thing Kirk did. Kirk was giving up too much about the game plan. Mike Zimmer just gave up too much about Kirk. He just committed the same foul that Kirk Cousins did. I feel like it was a playful tone, though, wasn't it? I didn't. I didn't pick up on I any playfulness. Tell, but we so maybe I just don't know Mike Zimmer's sense of humor. He's not a playful guy, really. <laughs> yeah. Manny Hill guys. and I went through. <laughs> Went through the entire Cousins post game too, Mike Zimmer, and we found only one place where Kirk sort of went into a description of play by play of what transpired, but it was very weird. And like of all my concerns about Sunday, what Kirk Cousins said post game would be very low on that list. It's yeah, it seemed odd. And I was talking about this with Collar today on uh, Score North Live weekdays noon to two here on fifteen hundred Score North dot com and the Score North mobile app. And he said that Kirk Cousins actually went and tr- and asked people, as he does with most aspects of his life, like how he can be better in press conferences, how he can be better in interactions with reporters and the media. And it got me to thinking about uh, something I saw on Sunday on uh, ESPN's pregame show. And they were doing this whole profile piece on Kirk Cousins and his life philosophies and the stones in the glass vase or whatever that whole thing is. And like I was listening to him talk about his goals in football and his goals in life. And I was like, man, this this seems like a genuinely good dude. Like, I, And ever since I got here, I thought, and it has only been, uh, this belief has only been strengthened by people around me, that Kirk Cousins comes off as kind of phony, kind of fake. I think that's that's a label that gets thrown on him. Is it not? Can you all? Uh, is that not a tag that's on Kirk Cousins right now? I think uh, I think yeah, people have called him sort of fake, sort of fake. He's got the perma smile on, and yeah, he's very corporate. I think you can be a you can be a good person and also still be accused correctly of acting like a quarterback, a corporate quarterback yeah. would act. Right, he's I think, incredibly corporate. I don't think you. I don't think that like precludes you from being a good. Is or it bad possible person. that's just Kirk Cousins? Is it possible he's just that dude? Because I've I've done this before. I'll admit I've done this before with other guys who just seemed like. Too perfect. They're like they were trying too hard. Russell Wilson is a guy who I felt that way about for a long time. And I've come around to realizing, no, Russell Wilson is just 
like a pretty genuinely seems like a pretty genuinely good dude who's trying to get better yeah. in every day, every day of his life. Brand Russell Wilson wakes up and he asks himself, "How can I be a better person?" Which is a good thing. Like whether or not you like Kirk Cousins or not, I th- I I'm starting to believe that this whole thing, this whole persona that he puts out there, is real and genuine and. It's some of our insecurities that come out when we poke fun at it. Like, cause we, d- I don't wake up every day with that necessarily but, with that mindset. I don't have a spreadsheet that has my day planned out 10 the, minutes at a time that, so I can be the, the best pro- person that's I can be. That's the problem though. What? The problem, the problem is Kirk would be fine as, as head of a corporation. The problem is he literally has things planned out. And guess what happens when you're playing professional sports, especially quarterback? Things go what I like to call off script. That's the problem. I mean, this isn't a question of him being a bad guy. I think he's probably a very decent guy. But it, it's a criticism of, is what you're doing improving yourself at your job? Russell Wilson, great example. Hell yes. I mean, he's the right now, he threw five yeah. touchdown passes on Sunday. Well, he doesn't have and Russell is the MVP. tools no, or talents. No, I get that, but but we're splitting, we're splitting the fine hair here of... The way that we feel about Cousins, at least to me, has nothing to do with, oh, I think Kirk is a bad guy. Do I think the way that Kirk approaches life is the best way for a quarterback to go about his business, knowing full well that he loves things to be on script? He loves detail. He loves to have the chart of my day. But guess what? The chart of your day, if you're a cor- that, if you're quarterback, and it, and for you it'd be great, and for me it's great. But unfortunately, if you are, if you guys all, make your bed when you get up in the morning. I if do. all hell breaks loose, and and God forbid you're driving home and a car crosses ninety four and is coming at you, Jesus and you're God. like, this is going against the chart of my day. This is going against the chart of my day. You're gonna die. Swerve. What? 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 What, is it, what does your example have to involve fiery death? That escalated what, so what, quick. What, I can't do? keep up. Because why, why can't it just be like you oh, can't swerve be, out of the way of the truck because you planned your day? Because because I planned to go down the left lane. Now I can't move. Because because when the Chiefs defender is coming at you and you didn't plan that, you're like I don't know what to do. That's a problem. I love it. Like, like if, the, if something doesn't go right with your day, like you're gonna die. Football. Football death. I was like, you're laying on the street. I shouldn't have planned my day. I don't know what to do now. I couldn't improvise. I feel like we're in Tommy Boy right now and Judge delivering the pitch about break pads. I'm giving you guys an example of the issue. Well, okay, so you bring up Russell Wilson and... This is this is why I'm aligned with Judd in this aspect, not about the oh my god. I don't want to Listen, I don't want him to die. I'm just saying that if something happens oh off script, it can be a problem. <laughs> so Russell, the big the biggest difference between Russell Wilson and Kirk Cousins, aside from mobility and there's some skill set things, right? Sure. Is not personality. It's not checklist in the morning. It's when things go off script, like Judd just said. Russell Wilson, in large part because of his mobility and things like that, Russell Wilson is amazing when things go off script. In fact, I would almost argue Russell Wilson is better when things go off script. If things go off script for Kirk Cousins, the game starts poorly. The line is not good. Your first read is not available. They're taking away your deep passes like they were in this game on, on Sunday. Okay, we need to deviate from what you had planned for all week. That's when things go haywire. I'm not questioning whether or not Kirk Cousins... uh 
philosophies on life or his his way of living his life is making him a better quarterback or not. Or if it's going to cost him his life. Just that it's, I think that it's whatever this is, and for better or worse, I I don't think the label of fake or phony belongs on Kirk Cousins. That's why I said corporate. He's corporate. I mean, what? I, that doesn't make him fake. Milk toast? That's fair, too. Yeah. Like, Which, it, like there's, there's, there's way, nobody... what is milk toast? Yeah. It's no, but boring. I mean, I don't know what the origin yeah. of that is. Is there an actual... Like thing? Is Let's there an actual up. milk toast? Let's look at it. I think up milk toast is just something that you wouldn't want, so it's like, yeah, it's boring. I'm googling milk toast. Apparently it's literally where you put toast in a bowl of milk like cereal. <laughs> yeah. That and sounds terrible. And that's your quarterback. It's right a breakfast now. dish consisting of toasted bread and milk. Although, warm you know milk. what? Oh. You know what? <laughs> what? I will take a cousin's bowl of milk toast above a Trubisky bowl of I don't know what you would call yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Trubisky is like when you put Rice Krispies in a bowl of milk and they sit there for five days or something. I, and then you kind of spoil Poison and, yourself? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Has anyone ever had milk toast? No. It sounds awful. I'm, no, I've I'm got it. lactose problems, so don't look at me. <laughs> It's good. I'm not doing. I'm not doing milk toast. Uh-huh. I mean, I hear what you're saying. I think, I think there's a certain there's a lot of milk toast recipes out there too. Sorry, how many? You've got them possibly. Don't, don't even try to get back to the point now with Rami. It's now the ship has sailed. <laughs> Sorry, you were saying that's too late. <laughs> it's gone. We'll right. just talk to Dan it's Nystrom gone. next. All right, it's gone. It's okay. gone. Yeah, Dan Nystrom. <laughs> Gophers hero from 1999 <laughs> kicked the game-winning field goal against number two Penn State. I probably had my worst, him. my worst instance of being distracted and forgetting I was doing a radio show yesterday. Collar was talking about the Vikings football as Collar is wont to do, and across my timeline came a link to a page where I could shop for Star Wars cookware. It was amazing. And I clicked on this link. And it's, I mean, I saved it just so I can go shopping later, pay attention to Collar now. But for like at least 30 seconds to a minute of Collar's Vikings monologue, I was like, oh my God, they have, they have a roasting pan that looks like Han Solo when he was. So, okay, what's, what's worse, Judd? Having a co-host. That does real estate deals. I took deals. my earphones off. What, what's worse, Judd? Having you a co-host no that, that does no real comment. estate on the air or looks up Star Wars cookware? I'll tell you why the real estate guy is worse. Because he knew what he was doing. He did that intentionally. I'm just easily distracted. Uh, Dan, I'm just a dog Dan with a Nystrom, squirrel We'll ask Dan Nystrom about Star Wars cookware. <laughs> when we come back to Mackie and Judd with Rami on Score North and the Score North app. Thank you to everyone who's been downloading the Score North app. We see some, uh, some nice little numbers the last couple months on those and it helps us it helps us connect with you and it helps us reach more people as well when you give it a five-star review in either the apple store or the google play store so we're talking gophers pj fleck was on yesterday dan nystrom's coming up and uh, speaking of the gophers federated insurance is a proud sponsor of u of m athletics and turnovers for kids so every forced turnover by the gophers defense federated insurance donates a thousand dollars to big brothers and big sisters. You combine their charitable spirit with their tenacious and their knowledgeable background in helping businesses become as successful as they can be, and it's just a winning combination. If you're a business owner and you aren't at least exploring the option of federated insurance, you might be making a big mistake. You might not be getting the peace of mind that you deserve as a business owner that works tirelessly to help your employees and to help grow your business. So federatedinsurance.com is the website. You can visit to find a full list of all the industries 
that Federated protects. And you can find out more about your local Federated marketing reps. Federated Insurance, it's our business to protect yours. Here's the ball game, folks. Number two, Penn State on the road. Dan Nystrom for the win. I remember, let's see, it was uh, like 14-year-old yeah. uh, Phil Mackey. Don't date us all, okay, dude? 14-year-old Phil Mackey. I was, was like 29 or 30 when that happened. So, And Rami was... Uh, like 19, Not 20? engaged in gopher sports not, at that point. Not really, no. But I remember watching on my couch, and I found the date here. It was indeed, it was November 6th, 1999. So it was 20 years ago tomorrow. The Gophers, that was the rise of the Glenn Mason era, and the Gophers followed up the next year by beating number 6 Ohio State. But it was Dan Nystrom's leg that sent the Gophers out of Happy Valley victorious, 24-23. to and, uh, and we've heard just through the grapevine, Dan, that you've got, for the last 20 years, you get media requests, and it's always kind of around the same time, but I'm going to guess that this Gophers-Penn State game probably rises above most of them the last 20 years. Uh, it does, definitely. I've been, uh, I've been getting quite a few calls this week, so um, <clears throat> everyone likes to relive, relive the Penn State moment when we play Penn State, but this, uh, this one's a little different. Yeah. Well, okay, take us through, because I, this is the first time that, that we've ever talked to you on this show, and I remember just watching that game as a fan, but like, I think the Gophers, I think Billy Cockerham hit like the equivalent of two Hail Marys on that drive just to set up the play. So from your vantage point, what do you remember about the final drive and the fourth quarter and the crowd and just everything that led up to you having to make that kick? Yeah, I mean, it was the, the last drive was pretty amazing. Um, <clears throat> Penn State actually elected not to kick a 50-yarder uh, or a, attempt a 50-yard field goal and punt instead. And, you know, for good reason, I guess. They they had a pretty incredible defense uh, with LeVar Arrington, Courtney Brown, and a bunch of other guys. Um, so we got the ball on the 20-yard line, and, you know, right out of the gates, um, Billy hit Ron Johnson for a long pass down the sideline and um, kind of got us started and set up to potentially get in field goal position. Um <clears throat> You know, so everyone was excited. I was excited on the sidelines, just hoping for an opportunity. Um, and then it got down to fourth down again. It would have been like a 59-yard field goal or something like that, which uh, we elected not to kick and um, threw up another another Hail Mary uh, to Ron off his hands. And Arlen Bruce happened to be trailing from behind and picked it up off the ground, basically, or just off the ground. And our sideline was going crazy. It was right by our sideline. So, Everyone was cheering and screaming and jumping around, and and then uh, kind of the realization hit me that I was going to have to go out there and and try to kick a field goal to win the game. <laughs> yeah. like, this, is, this is awesome! I oh can't be God. celebrating right now. <laughs> uh, exactly. That's that. That was what was going through my head. This is awesome, and then oh my gosh, I'm going to have to go out and and uh, and kick a game winner. So uh, I really had to kind of stop watching the game at that point and start mentally preparing to go out and, and make a field goal. What was that like, too, as as you trotted out there with, you know, the, the hopes at the time of the program and this incredible uh, win a field goal away? What's that, what's that pressure like and attempting, I would guess, to embrace it? But it's got to be a heck of a lot of pressure when, you know, the rest of those guys on the sideline are essentially dependent on your leg and your foot. Yeah, you know, it is a lot of pressure, and that's, kind of 
just the name of the game for kicking. Um, you either make it or you don't. There's nothing in between. Um, and it's just really about how you deal with that pressure. And the way that I dealt with it more or less was just focus, trying not to focus on what was going on. Um, obviously you get, you know, you get the adrenaline rush and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, and to go out there and kick a game winner against the number two team uh, in the country or just a game winner in general is kind of a kicker's dream. <laughs> um, so I just, I basically just focused on two or three key points that, um, that I thought were going to make me successful uh, getting the ball through the uprights. And, and then at the end of the day, you just go out there and try to do your job. Did you have any superstitions or a mantra or something that you said to yourself in, in big spots like that? I didn't. I focused on three things, really, and they're they're pretty simple. Um, I, I felt like if I took my steps off properly, which I kind of did every day at practice, making sure I was always in, in the same spot, repetition, uh, making sure I kept my head down for a long time and didn't peak, um, and then just make sure I was following through straight to my target. Um, so I know those things sound simple, but, you know, just continuing to rep that stuff every day in practice so that when you go out in the game and you're in a pressure situation, uh, muscle memory kind of takes over. Yeah. Uh, Dan Nystrom, by the way, is our guest here on Mackie and Judd with Rami. And if you remember 20 years ago tomorrow, the Gophers marched into Happy Valley and they knocked off undefeated number two Penn State 24 to 23. And it was Dan's field goal as time was expiring that gave the Gophers that win. When did you first start kicking from the perspective of not like, you know, you know, you're three years old booting a, a ball around the backyard, but when did you first start actually kicking as a field goal kicker? And what was that like? Yeah, you know, um, kind of an interesting story. I, I started, I played football in third grade. I was a quarterback, and, and um, we didn't have a very good team. And I, uh, my mom wasn't super pumped about me getting hit all the time. So I, I started playing soccer um, after that. And then I started playing football again in eighth grade, and I actually didn't even kick um, for my eighth grade football team. Um, and when I was going into ninth grade, my, the head football coach at Robinsdale Cooper high school held like a little training camp for incoming freshmen. And one day it was like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to try to punt and kick on this day. And I grabbed my old soccer cleats and came out and, and all of a sudden started kicking it through the uprights and into the tennis court. And, um, and my kick, my kicking career began. Um, so I, I kicked, um, I kicked for the varsity team my freshman year, really not knowing much of what I was doing, um, but ended up having some success and that's kind of where it started. So then that gopher team in 99 went eight and four and, and obviously went to the Sun Bowl. And that was the first bowl appearance for the program in years and years and years. And there was success after that, but are you surprised at all that as we have this discussion 20 years down the road, that there hasn't been more success, that there, you know, I, I started following this program in 78, Dan, and I, it's amazed me that there hasn't been just one sort of like falling into a Rose Bowl year or something. It, yeah. From your perspective, are, are you surprised that we're, we're having this conversation about a Penn State game 20 years after the fact, and there hasn't been like that year that, that feels like it might be actually, don't mean to jinx it, this year? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of too bad. I feel like we, um, you know, the Mason era, um, certainly he built the program. We started to go to bowl games almost every year, and we had some 
signature wins, um, like the Penn State win, like Ohio State the following year. Um, and we, we always seem to just fall, you know, in those two years, fall one win shy of making it to the Rose Bowl. Um, and certainly getting to the Rose Bowl is a huge honor and, and not an easy thing to do, especially in the Big Ten. But, um, you know, after after Mace left, um, I think the bar was raised a little bit. And then, unfortunately, it just kind of all fell apart for a couple of years there. And, um, you know, once the train starts going downhill, sometimes it's hard to kind of slow it down and, and get it to turn back around. And, um Coach Kill did a nice job, I think, of getting the program back on its feet a little bit, and and um, and Coach Fleck has has really started to turn things around, specifically, um, you know, building into this year. So um, it's unfortunate. I think it's too bad, and I think you know we've got a we've got a great state, we've got a great city, um, but a lot of it comes down to recruiting, and um, you just have to be able to get the right players and the right uh, the right coaches in. in um, you know, in the right positions to make that run. I hope it's this year. Yeah. Well, what's it, what, what does your gut say about this game on Saturday? And what does your gut say just about the next, you know, the next month or two months and what, what's going to happen for this Gophers team? Yeah, I think it's going to be a great game on Saturday. Um, you know, the Gophers have been playing awesome football. They, they were making me nervous earlier in the year when, yeah. you know, we had to squeak out a couple wins, but, um, you know, once we hit Big Ten games, and I know that we haven't played the best of the Big Ten, but we've been playing really solid football uh, in all aspects. And I think even the beginning of the year, you know, there were glimpses of greatness, both on the offensive and defensive side and special teams. But um, it was really just inconsistent. And I feel like um, the Gophers are playing really consistent on uh, in all facets of the game, and that sets us up for – I think a great matchup on Saturday. Yeah. Um, you know, and moving forward, obviously, you know, it's kind of the gauntlet here at the end of the season, starting off with Penn State, um, you know, other than Northwestern, which you never really want to take for granted um, any team you're playing in the Big Ten. But um, you got Iowa and Wisconsin, so a couple border battles in there. So it's going to be it's going to be a fun stretch of football, but it's going to be a tough stretch as well. Yeah. That is Dan Nystrom, the kicker of the game-winning field goal 20 years ago tomorrow that knocked off number 2 Penn State. Go first Penn State, 11 o'clock kickoff, ABC this Saturday. We're going to be hanging out in uh, the luxury suites. That's right. We class it up here. I'm Mackie and Jeff with Rami. Uh, Dan, it was great hearing you, and, uh, and we'll see what happens this weekend. But thanks for taking some time out of your day to uh, reminisce with us. Absolutely, I appreciate you guys having me on. All right, uh, there he is, Dan Nystrom. That's that's one of those moments. Like I can just, you know, just speaking for my own as a as a teenager, and you, I think you always kind of remember those first big sports moments where, like, I didn't know about. I, I wasn't alive for the Murray Warmath era where they were winning national championships. The Gophers were garbage my whole life, and all of a sudden they're about to beat Penn State as a fourteen yeah. year old or. The Vikings were mostly just a disappointment, well, and still remain. You know, I was going to say, say what's like, changed about that? The 1998 season hits, and oh my God, this is the best offense in the, in the league. Oh, here's what? a real heartbreak. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, good. Now I've experienced true heartbreak. But you guys probably have those moments, too, in your life as a sports fan. And that 99, that kick against Penn State in 1999 was like, whoa, this is a shock to the system. This is not, 14-year-old Phil Mackey has not seen this with a gopher football team before.
I uh, I vaguely remember the Bears winning the Super Bowl in 86 as a uh, little fat Rami. And I told you guys this before. In a wheelchair, I got hit by a car earlier that year. Um, I'm supposed to feel sorry. And uh, 89, the Cubs winning the division. And oh, Mitch, yeah. Mitch Williams jumping up and down on the mound. And Harry Carey screaming over and over again, the Cubs win the division. The Cubs win the division. That was uh, That's probably my moment but that, that would relate to that. That Gopher team in, in 99 hadn't been to a – the program hadn't been to a bowl game since, I think – 86 Holtz, yeah. when Holtz left and Goody Bowl? and Goody coached it. And I think so. I think the droughts were Cal Stahl took him to a bowl game, I think, in 77. Yeah. Then they don't go again until Holtz in, in 85. They go back in 86 and then they don't go for what, 13 more years? Yeah. But the amazing thing was, didn't you think at some point in time when, when 99 hit and that team was pretty good, I thought they turned a corner so you'd get a pop up Rose Bowl type of year. Northwestern got it. Yeah. Talked about that before, right? Northwestern was literally like a one-win team they for were a bunch of years, and then all of a sudden they just go to the Rose Bowl. Yeah, yeah. Gary Barnett. So it happens unless you're the Gophers, apparently. Yeah. So it's and so they went. They went went to the Sun Bowl in '99, and you're like, okay, this team, you know, the program's turning a corner. This is going to be uh, good. And then you, they kept going to bowl games, but as you know, Phil, it was the Music City Bowl, and it was uh, yeah, you know, okay, I mean, whatever. If they honestly, th- this game, this is a doorway this Saturday to a lot of different things. So they're currently ranked 13th in the country. The highest they've been ranked, according to sportsreference.com, the highest they've been ranked in any season since 1962. They were ranked, their peak ranking in 1962 was fifth. And obviously they were first a couple times before that. So you go back to 1962. Mm-hmm. Their highest ranking in a season is 12th. And it was, it was I believe it was after the Iowa win, um, a couple games after the Penn State win, 1999. They were 12th. Yep. So. If they win this game, it opens a door to a few things that are just not part of my lifetime as a Gopher fan. They'll be a fan. top 10 team. It opens top 10 ranking. They will be a top 10 team yeah. if they win this game for the Penn first State's time in five, my life. right? Yep. Yeah. And they'll be undefeated. It'll validate everything they've been doing so far this year. Yep. It'll open the Rose Bowl door because then they'll have... the Ohio State is, is number one and they're going to go to the college football playoff. And they're looking, as Judd did the research on this, they're looking for the second best team in the Big Ten to go to the Rose Bowl. Well, if they lose to Penn State... There's no way they can be the second best team in the Big Ten. Penn State will be the second best team. Or, you know, Michigan still has a chance, but to keep the Rose Bowl door open, you win this game, the Rose Bowl door uh, door is open. So there's just and there's a few other doors, obviously too. Going to the Big Ten championship game is wide open if you win this game against Penn State. So. I really hope they win for for your sake more than anything, Phil. For my sake, yeah, because you're really, really. I'm in. I know. I can feel it. I went I to can, school there. I can sense it, dude. I sat. And I'm we're going to be man. in that suite on Saturday, and I don't. I don't want you to be drinking yourself into into oblivion because the the Gophers are getting beat by uh, He's not by driving. Penn State. That's Fine. true. Yeah. yeah I'll, what's I'm, the over under on white claws? Phil consumes on Saturday. Are there claws provided in this suite? Uh, there's no claws, but there's going to be some other beverages, I believe, okay. provided. No right. claws for the cost. I don't know if they have, do they have claws at TCF Bank Stadium? <laughs> I'm sure they've got, if they don't, they didn't I'm have sure they've got a knockoff. Tasting. Hmm. I don't think they have claws There's got to be some, some type of a claw substitute, right? There's a seltzer. There's kind of some sort of seltzer there. I'd imagine. Into. It's all the yeah. rage. But like, dude, I can't tell you. <laughs> I've sat in that student section 15 years ago now. And watch these guys blow three touchdown yeah. leads. And chanted, Fire Mason. Yep. I wore a Fire Mason shirt the night he got fired, actually. It was a New Year's Eve party. I'm pretty sure he got fired. Like, Did he, he did. get fired like New Year's Eve? Yes, he did. It was uh, The Vikings were playing the Rams, and it was New Year's Eve 06 into 07, yeah. yeah. So there's a, whole, there's a whole generation. If you're like me, you graduated from the University of Minnesota 2007. If you're in that Glenn Mason era, you thought that team 
030405 with NFL running backs and NFL offensive linemen. At one point, I believe they had two NFL tight ends. They had Utech and Spath. They had yeah. three NFL running backs. Oh, yeah, they they had like two or three NFL offensive linemen, Setterstrom, um, and they had and they had a couple skill position guys too, that like wide receiver, quarterback that were good, not NFL caliber, and a couple defensive NFL guys. And like, that, if you went to school at that time or you're a Gopher football fan, you feel owed. You just you just feel like you're owed something. How did you not go to a Rose Bowl at any point? That's what I'm saying. He needs this. You're starting to frighten me. Why he am needs, I frightening you? I he just needs, this, he needs win. this win on Saturday, dude. They owe it to us. <laughs> there's not There's not enough seltzer in TCF. Nobody's leaving until the Gophers win, but Phil, it's 33-3. to three. <laughs> There really isn't. I'm telling you. He <laughs> needs no, this. No, Phil. He needs no, this badly. Claws for the cause. That's what Saturday should be. It's good. Maroon I'll sneak, in, I'll sneak in some claws from the Babu tailgate for you. <laughs> You'll good. feel better. Sounds good. All right. Let's come back because the Twins uh, made some moves yesterday. We didn't have a chance to talk about the Twins moves because we were all in on uh, mostly just being mad at the Vikings. So we'll come back. Jake Odorizzi, are you in or out on uh, Jake Odorizzi long-term contract extension? Mackie and Joe with Rami here on Score North and the Score North app. Luther Brookdale Toyota is here with some great deals that you can take advantage of. In fact, right now their whole mission is to make room for the 2020 models. And so... You can get your hands on a steering wheel of a 2019 RAV4 right now, uh, Tacomas. Let me pull up their website and just see what some of the exact deals are. Uh, there is a 2020 Corolla on the lot right now that you can get into for under $200 a month on a 36-month lease. And that has safety features that are brand new and upgraded. It has uh, technology on the interior with that Entune system giving you connectivity to all the apps on your phone. By the way, this 2019 RAV4 that I've been driving, it's the first time I've had Apple CarPlay in the vehicle. You can just tap on that Score North app. It's awesome. Again, 694 Brooklyn Boulevard, LutherBrookdaleToyota.com if you want to snoop around the website and look at the, uh, the the monthly specials, the pre-owned vehicle selection, you name it. We'll come back with more Mackie and Jeb with Rami after this. It's time for another wild minute. That's exactly right, but I've decided from now on I need the State of Hockey song, not our generic song. Please fire it up, maestro. The Minnesota Wild tonight begins a four-game, ten-day West Coast road swing to try and cure what ails it. And I know it's the Wild Minute, but God knows a lot ail them right now. They play the Anaheim Ducks tonight, then they play San Jose, which is off to a terrible start in two days before playing at Arizona on Saturday night against Darcy Kemper, the former Wild goaltender, and concluding the trip against the L.A. Kings. A week from Thursday, they return home against the Arizona Coyotes, and right now you're saying, okay, Judd, who's in goal tonight? Who's going to be playing goal? And I'm going to tell you right now, according to Mike Russo of The Athletic, Alex Stalock, who can play the puck, gets the start. Devin Dubnik, who started Saturday and lost in overtime to St. Louis, will be the backup. Here's why we like this, Wild fans. Stalock can move the puck. If you've seen this team skate so far this season, yeah, you can time them with a sundial. So the fact that they have a goaltender who can move the puck up the ice very quickly, Alex Stalock, that is a positive. Note number two from Russo, Bruce Brudro says the next time the Wild plays a three-on-three overtime like they did on Saturday and it looked like they were standing still against St. Louis, we'll see a completely different strategy. That means, I think, what we will see from Boots is the kids, not the veterans on the ice. And that means that you will see the Wild try and match speed with speed on three-on-three. 
Saturday night, we saw a lot of the veterans attempt to play, and poor Zach Parise got turned around and looked like he was standing still. <laughs> and Ryan O'Reilly scored the game-winning goal for the St. Louis Blues. So that is your wild minute for this Tuesday. There it is. There he is. Um, Didn't mean to take a lot of shots at him, but I'm just trying to help things up. No, you wouldn't do that. No. Mm-mm. No, you're just trying to nudge them closer to where they should be, which is the number one oh, or number two overall pick. Judd's Hockey Show will air on the station after Unchained, Unchained with Royce at 6 o'clock. Judd's Hockey Show with Declan Goff, yours truly, and Lou Nanny making his season debut at 7 o'clock. Some great stuff from Lou on, as a former GM, when his teams weren't good. Louis doesn't like to call it a tank, but basically explains that sometimes you yeah. have to sometimes you have to allow things to take their course in order to improve <laughs> your franchise. Natural causes. And he goes Is that what you're saying? Yes, and he goes in, in depth about the strategy in eighty seven, eighty eight with a bad North Star team, where Lou basically said we could either try and make the playoffs, which we shouldn't try and do, or draft a Mike Madano. And he goes into basically the behind the scenes on that. It was great stuff. Yeah, you can hear that tonight at seven o'clock. So the Twins yesterday made a bunch of announcements along with the rest of the league. Yesterday was the qualifying offer deadline day. So basically what that means is if you have a free agent, if you have a guy like Jacob Arizzi who's set to become a free agent, if you want draft pick compensation for losing him, if you want a first or a second round draft pick, if somebody else signs that player, you have to first offer that player a one-year qualifying offer, and every year that price sort of varies. This year's qualifying offer is $17.8 million. So they elected to not do it with Kyle Gibson, and they elected actually also to buy out Martin Perez for $500,000, so he gone. But they said, all right, Jake Odorizzi, we'll still engage in a long-term contract discussion with you maybe, but here's a one-year $17.8 million contract. He would be the Twins' highest-paid player for one year um, if he accepted it, if he turns it down and signs elsewhere, the Twins would get draft pick compensation for him. He could also turn it down and sign like a three or four year deal with the Twins. So, three options for you guys. Jake Odorizzi, would you prefer Jake Odorizzi says yes and you pay him one year 17.8? Would you prefer he says no and signs elsewhere and you say goodbye to him and get the draft or, pick? Right? And get the draft pick. Okay. Or he says no. And you sign him to a three or a four year deal for fifteen to twenty million dollars a year. Draft pick is not an option. It's a win now window. I'm not looking for assets that help me four or five years down the line if they ever help me at all. So that's that's out right away. I'm intrigued by a three year deal, but I wouldn't go much further than that. Honestly, if I'm the twins, best case scenario is he takes that one year qualifying offer. I just I'm skittish about committing to long-term pitching in general, unless it's really, really top-tier pitching. Jake Odorizzi was great this year, but he wasn't that great before that. It took a lot from the Twins to get what they got out of him, and I don't know how much longer that necessarily holds up. He's entering his 30s. I would give him the three-year deal if I felt like that's the lengths I'd have to go to to keep him just because the pitching situation is so dire here right now. Mm Mm-hmm. But I'd prefer just the one-year deal and no commitment further than that. I think I would do three. I think I'd do three. I, I would feel more uh, stuck if it was four and five would, would scare me. Three doesn't scare me. If he would do a three-year contract at a reasonable AAV, I think I'd take that. All right, let's say it's... Uh... Let's say it's $15 million a year. So let's say it's between 45 and $50 million on a three-year deal. He's 29, going to be 30 years old. I'm comfortable with that. 
I'm I, so man. I'm out on the draft pick. You're in a win now mode, and yeah, you've got a bunch of young players. Like that just doesn't a draft pick that you, that you wouldn't see that guy if he if he surfaced. You wouldn't see him for five years anyway. So I'm out on that. Mm-hmm. What makes me nervous about Odorizzi is he just had a breakout season for the first time. He, he's had a couple. He had a couple good years with the Rays, but in terms of strikeout rate and ERA and everything that goes into it, wins above replacement. This was his true breakout season. And I would be a little nervous that you're just buying high on a guy's peak moment of his career as a free agent. Something else to note, too. Jake Odorizzi, 159 innings last year. Only once in his career has he gone over 170 innings as a starter. So he's not exactly a horse either. He's not. Is 15 mil a year for per year for three years that nuts, though? It's not, but if 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 that if if that long term contract to Odorizzi prevented me from also going after like Zach Wheeler on a five year contract, oh well, then yeah, that's, like if it, in yeah. a perfect world he accepts the qualifying offer and you pay him a bunch of money for one year, but yep. you're not locked in for three or five years, and you sign one of these free agents. I, I don't think they're going to get Garrett Cole, but you sign like Madison Bumgarner or Zach Wheeler. If it prevents you from doing it, deal. then I'm I'm with both you you guys. My assumption was because it's a non cap league. If I went fourteen to 15 per year that I could still go out and make moves that I need to because I don't have much pitching right now, starting pitching, I should say. Don't get tricked into thinking that Jake Odorizzi is your staff ace. No. no. You've got a couple, no, 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 no. You've got a couple like number two, number three starters on your staff right now, and Jose Barrios is one of them. So whatever you do here, just know that he had a really good year last year. Expect him to regress a little bit and just pencil him in for like your number three slot. I was going to say, you need you yep. need to get your rotation to a point where Jake Odorizzi is your number three starter next year. And whether that's getting somebody who can bump Barrios down to two or somebody below Barrios. I'd really like that, though. What, if you get somebody down? But I'd love to bump Barrios to two, Odorizzi three, and get what I consider to be more of a true staff ace. Now you're talking. If you get somebody who bumps Barrios down to the two spot in the rotation and Jake Odorizzi is your three, now you're talking. Now you have a real staff. Is is the the fact that uh, Mad Bum got uh, got the... um, Qualifying offer himself from San Francisco is that going to do you think uh, stop the Twins from trying to pursue him because of the draft pick compensation? Um, Wouldn't stop I, me. I hope not, but I'm asking you what you think. It definitely it wouldn't stop me, right? But I'm it, asking it, it, you what it, you think it, the Twins will do. It would slow the Twins for sure. It, it well, I mean, Craig Kimbrell was the same thing. Craig Kimbrell, Craig Kimbrell stayed on the market until June, and Dallas Keuchel too, right? Dallas Keuchel was yep. a qualifying offer guy, and then because teams expired. don't want to give up a, you know, the reason teams don't want to give up a first or a second round draft pick to sign these guys, and so if you're not attached to that draft pick compensation, you sign quicker because teams don't have to give up a draft pick and money to get you. But I, I, I'm just so bullish on Madison Bumgarner getting to a better organization, just a more forward thinking organization. The Giants have fallen behind the times. You put Madison Bumgarner with a forward-thinking front office and field staff, and the Twins have shown to be that. Mm-hmm. He's going to go the way of Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander. I don't know if he'll, don't, don't, don't let it be with another team. I don't know if he'll get quite to that point, just because they're yes, he's he's about the same age as those guys when they got to their new destinations, but he has a lot of miles on that arm. He's actually younger than I think he's younger and has fewer miles than Verlander did, though. Now you might say that Verlander is a slight step above, but I don't know if I would even say that. I just think. He, I, I get it. The miles, he, the guy came into the league when he was twenty, and so he's been in the big leagues for like twelve seasons. Hey, the, the possibility of him here intrigues me too. Yeah, if they come out of this thing and their rotation next year was Madison Bumgarner, Jose Barrios, yep. and Jake Odorizzi, let's play ball. That yeah. let's let's play ball on that. I'm good with that. Uh, but Jake Odorizzi, just because he's going to be more expensive, 
can't be your big splash. That hey, we brought him back. Oh no, no, no more no, money. Like, no, 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 no. You no. got to bring him. I was back not trying to say that. And add another piece to the. To I the just puzzle. think fifteen mil per year for three years to me seems like I could do it without feeling like oh man, that was a bad deal. Yeah, I could uh, live with that. You guys gonna miss Martin Perez so much? Martin Perez is gone. Man, Rami thought he could. You know, he was good, and then he you were in on him as a, as a playoff was, starter in May last year. I was. Year. Yeah, I was wrong. <laughs> That'll happen from time to time. <laughs> Good thing I didn't write it down. You guys would bring it up later. <laughs> See, that's what your strategy is. You go with all your uh, all your wrong takes or outside of the second. No, no, I've had plenty of wrong takes that's and write true. that down. Plenty. That's a good point. Write, yes. write this down. Martin Perez will win a playoff game in two thousand. Oh, you know what? I I can't I can't do it. Wait a second. I no, I stopped. Two thousand. I didn't say what year. I think he has to. Fit. What's the ruling there? He started his sentence with I, "write this down." I ended it though. <laughs> I ended it prematurely. Wait, check swing. Check swing. Prematurely. Check swing. It's prematurely. We go to the first base around. Prematurely. Did he go around? No. It's you have to finish that. It went dot dot dot. Nope, you have to finish that line. Oh no no I, no, no I don't. You started. No I don't. <laughs> Once you start, you went around. Okay, write you know what? Then you went okay, then you I will. Then I will. Then I will. Write this down. Martin Perez will win a playoff game for a team in 2035. You're wrong. It can't be paid off. Can. It can't be paid off. Long foul ball. If he, if Long he, foul ball. If he, he, die, if he dies before 2035. Okay, well, then, you know what? I'd fight him on this, except that Mackie booked shows at Allianz <laughs> Field just to get a write that down prediction. <laughs> so we've reached the height of corruption. Exactly. I don't think John's doing anything here that's Thank unprecedented. You. Thank you. Rami's in my corner. Cram session next. Uh, Mackie and Joe with Rami. He really seems like a first I mean, class creep, right? TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. Who's the winner? Some may say none of them. But let the games begin. Three questions, one winner. It's Cram Session with Mackie, Judd, and Rami. All right, this is where Jonathan asks us three questions, and he scores us a point to the winner based on, well, pretty much whatever criteria he wants. But if ideally, you make him happy. Who, yeah, ideally, who has the best answer, but... Or a Star Wars fan. Or that. Or so, like a soccer reference in your answer, but uh, what do you got for us today, Jonathan Harrison? Uh, we'll, we'll start off with uh, Kirk Cousins. I'm swapping you with Kirk Cousins for this one. You have all his abilities, but you are still you. So you're the Vikings quarterback, <laughs> but you're still... You know, Phil Mackey, Judd Zelgad, Rami Maklov. Okay. Mike Zimmer just called you out for, quote-unquote, giving up way too much information in your previous press conference. So you're storming into his office upset for being called out like that in public. What are you saying to him as angry Phil Mackey, Judd Zelgad, or Rami Maklov? I don't storm into his office. I uh, I go to a press conference. I go in front of I go in front of microphones, and before I do, I pull aside the reporter who I am closest to, and I say, hey, buddy, ask me about those uh, those quotes by Mike Zimmer when he said I gave up way too much information. And uh, when asked about it, I would say I thought that was a solid performance by Mike at his day after press conference. But he just gave up way too much information about how I conduct my business. This stuff should be done behind closed doors. <laughs> wow. I'm petty. Well, but that wasn't the question. That's how I'd handle it. Um, you know what? I don't storm into his office either because here's the problem. I love this. Somebody teed up here because I'm going right in there. The fact that you're focused on stuff like that yeah, I'm petty. means that you're not focused <laughs> on the things that matter. You play the Dallas Cowboys in primetime. If I'm Kirk Cousins and I'm, and, I, and first of all, I have the abilities of Kirk Cousins, 
But I am Phil Mackey, and so I'm going to exercise a little more self-awareness than maybe Kirk Cousins does sometimes, okay? I should be focusing... How's your rock collection going? <laughs> minus one every month. I'm thinking about adopting that, by the way. You would. Thanks, Woody Allen. Just counting down the days, man. Counting down the days. If I'm playing the Dallas Cowboys in primetime, and I know that playing winning teams is a huge hill for me to climb. I don't perform well against winning teams. I don't perform well in primetime. I'm not going to waste a single moment worrying about something that doesn't involve beating the Dallas Cowboys in primetime. So I will not be going into Mike Zimmer's office, nor will I be going to the podium to call out Mike Zimmer. I will just swallow it and study my film. I am storming in his office as instructed by the question, and I am I mean, sla- semantics. And I am slamming the door closed, and I'm saying, Mike, are you serious? You are worried about I might have given away too much information at a post-game press conference when your defense, your pass defense, your baby is getting torched? Look in the mirror, Mike, and get your own act together before you criticize my $84 million demeanor about anything your pass defense is a complete mess, and I got to hear you whine and moan and complain about the fact that we are running or we're passing too much. We're getting too cute, and now I got to hear you complaining about me at a post game press conference when you get up there and give two word answers. Get your act together. Look in the mirror. Get your life right and coach football. Right. Coach wow. football the get way you should. Right. That's what I'd say. Get your life right. Well, I'm Kirk Cousins. So aggressive. No, no that, you're Judd Zalgad. You just have Kirk Cousins' ability. Well, right, but I've got some of his demeanor now, too, and I feel like my rock collection allows people when to tell them when they get, should get their life right. <laughs> so you have a deeper self-meaning now? Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. My Makes answer sense. was the funniest and most petty. Just want to point that I out. do love the pettiness, Thank but you. Judd's really the only one who answered the question Thank correctly. You. <laughs> everybody, okay, because we else didn't go in, in the mirror. office. But, but I still sent a message, all right? Judd did Not like give Mackie. me the answer that I was also looking for in getting back at Mike for giving away too much information himself. He tends to do that in his own press conferences. So Yeah, which is what I pointed out, but okay. And by the way, we love Mike Zimmer for that. Yeah. Give us more information. It right. is pretty hypocritical. Yeah. Do you think if you could if you could ask both those guys right now, all right, Kirk, Mike, you guys have been around each other for a year and a half here since the signing. Uh, you've been around each other for like 24 total games. How do you feel about each other? What do you think they would say? Are they on truth serum? Yeah, they have to be okay. totally honest. Oh, I, do you think Kirk likes Jim's Mike? Do you think Mike likes Kirk? I think they both are not fans of. I mean, look look at their personalities. Yeah, I don't, they come yeah. from different worlds. They don't. I don't know if they don't like each other, but I can't imagine that there is no question. Very tight. The Kirk Cousins' favorite football coach in the state right now just signed a seven year extension. He <laughs> loves. He's friends with Flack. Yeah, they love each other. Oh yeah, he doesn't like Mike. No way. Tolerates him probably because they have to, but that's it. Do you think Kirk Cousins and PJ Fleck just sit there and like trade life sayings, like life philosophies? They don't even when respond they get to each other. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. They, they, they speak to each other in yes. Instagrammable quotes. Yes. yes. Exactly. <laughs> so, next up, you guys just talked about Jake Odorizzi last segment. You're Jake Odorizzi. You've just had a career year. You're 29, will be 30 when the next season starts. Twins just qualifying offered you for seventeen million for one year. Do you take it, and why, Judd? <sighs> you know what? I do take it because here, here's my problem. If the Twins don't come to me then with a follow up three year offer, and I hit the market, I'm a nice pitcher, 
But if I am, to use Phil Mackey's words, self-aware, I also realize that I'm gambling that come June 4th or so, I'm still out there, and on June 5th, I'll, I'll sign. Uh, it's a lot for one year, and and if the climate of baseball the last two or three years hadn't shifted so dr- dramatically to teams being scared to give up draft pick compensation, I would probably say, no thank you, and sign elsewhere. But Odorizzi? Yeah, good luck, buddy. You could be there in March, and teams would yeah. be like, hey, call us in June. So if I'm going to be self-aware... I take it, I thank the poll ads, I thank the twins, and I say, slot me in as your number three pitcher next opening day. I take the 17.8, and I'm going to give you two words why. Lance Lynn. Look at the difference. He's going to get fat? <laughs> he's going to get 17.8 fat. 17.8 million, wouldn't you? He's going he's gonna to have a neck <laughs> beard. a lot less than that, and I'm pushing the, tipping the scales these days. So Lance Lynn, a couple years ago, when he signed with the Twins, in a disgruntled fashion, by the way, Lance was offered a $15.5, I believe, million-dollar qualifying offer with St. Louis to go back. He turned it down because, oh, I'm going to sign a multi-year contract. I'm going to sign for $50 million over multiple years. And nobody wanted to give away that draft pick for Lance Lynn was fine. He was like, you know, number three, number four starter. He was fine. And uh, so he winds up getting less money. He turns down the qualifying offer, waits for like five months, and winds up signing for, I think it was $10, $12 million with the Twins. Yeah. He winds up taking a 3 or $4 million bath to sign with the Twins. Then he becomes a free agent with no qualifying offer attached to him the next offseason and gets a three-year $30 million deal because teams are more willing to sign you to that contract if you don't have to give a draft pick. So I, if I'm Jake Odorizzi... I'm just going to take the $17.8 million and go back to the Twins. I'm going to say I would not take it for two reasons. One, it's a different answer than these two guys. Gives me a better <laughs> chance of winning. Two, strategy. and my actual answer is that, yes, you guys are right about what the free agent market has been at large over the last few years. But if I'm Jake Odorizzi, I'm going to gamble on not the free agent situation of Major League Baseball, but on the situation that the Twins find themselves in right now. Okay. Twins are paying somebody to come and pitch for them. They have two start. They have one starter, two no, just one starter under contract right now, right? After this season is over, this is not sufficient research for this you segment. Have one. Well, I just got the question 15 minutes ago, but you have one starter. You have one yeah, starter. Okay, <laughs> you have one starter under contract right now. I'm not the judge. Solid and- strategy. <laughs> <laughs> and if you can pay me, you can pay me what I'm looking for, which is three years, maybe 45 to 50 million. Or you can give somebody else that who you probably don't know as much about. Or you can try and get in the bidding wars for the Garrett Coles and Steven Strasburgs of the world, which you probably won't win. Or you can go and sign another guy who's a project like I was when I came to Minnesota. And while, yes, you're very good at tapping into players and getting the most out of them, are you sure it's going to go as smoothly with the next? Next guy, as it did me, I'm gambling on the Twins' desperation for starting pitching. If I'm Jake Odorizzi, well, Rami, you're not getting the point here. Not oh, because, come on, not because you called out the judge, but also I would take the money if I'm if I'm Jake Odorizzi. Y'all are scared. Just I mean, one year that much money, you set up your family for life. Phil, you're gonna get the you're gonna get the point here. Take the money now because you don't want to end up like Lance Lynn and just be on the market forever. Imagine being in a spot in life, by the way, where somebody offers you. Seventeen point eight million dollars, and you can be like, nah. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know if I want that for one year of work. I take that money now in a heartbeat. He also becomes a free agent again yeah. in a year. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's not like you're choosing seventeen point eight and nothing ever, or door number two. So, 
Big news of the day, P.J. Fleck signing a seven-year contract extension. Quite simply, how long does he stay, boys? Phil? Uh, I think he stays for at least three more years. Oh. Because I think he wants to see his entire recruiting class from day one become seniors and graduate and see not because he like wants to see them graduate necessarily, but he wants to see what they can do in the Big Ten championship game or against Wisconsin with his full system implemented and all of his players. And he even brought up in that interview with us yesterday, he said, hey, we've because Rami asked him, do you think you've arrived early? Like, where, where are you at in the expectations you know, line here? And he said, a lot of our guys are still freshmen and sophomores. I think he's got this idea, much like he did at Western Michigan, where if I can just get all my guys in the door and have them go through four years of fleckisms in the fleck system, <laughs> that they probably can go toe-to-toe with some of the best teams in the in the country. I don't know if they're ever going to go toe-to-toe with Ohio State, but can they go toe-to-toe uh, with Wisconsin and maybe you know make some noise on a New Year's Day in a big bowl game? I, th- I, think, I think he's going to stay here for at least three more years. All right. I am going to say after... Next season, after the 2020 season, PJ Fleck is gone. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to combine segments on this show. You want to write that down? Write this down. Write this down. Nobody saw this coming. Okay. PJ Fleck takes the Michigan head coaching job after the 2020 season. Wow. So you're also saying write this down. Jim Jim Harbaugh does not get fired yet. Yes. He does not get fired. Doesn't get fired this year. No. That fuse burns next year. Wow. Okay. If that happens. Well, it's one thing to lose Lou Holtz to Notre Dame, independent team. Like to lose to lose a guy in conference would be oh, brutal. Be pretty rough. Although Nick Saban did that, right? LSU to Alabama. Mm-hmm. Well, no, but didn't he go? He went to Miami the Dolphins first. first. Dolphins, That's yeah. Right. yeah. Okay, so he just came he back. Went away for a couple of years. He, he Imagine back. if he had if he had gone from LSU straight to Alabama. Those two rivals. Hey, Judd. This leaves me. All right. Uh, after the 2021 season, after 12 years at the helm of Notre Dame, Fighting Irish coach Brian Kelly will leave the job. And in 2022, P.J. Fleck will take that job. He will not take the Michigan job. Uh, so he will be here 2019, the current season, 2020 and 21. So two more years after this year, Philip John Fleck will be the coach of the Gophers, my guess is by the time we get to 2022, that that buyout will be decreased by quite a bit. This is a plum job. I think 12 years at that school at Notre Dame's a really long time. That's a long, long time. I think that's longer than New Rockney was there. Yeah. I mean, New Rockney also passed away. He that would have been crash, there for 30 right? years. Yeah. But that does start to, that job is a tough job. And PJ at that point is 40-ish. Is that right? 41. It's perfect timing. He's still young. It's the perfect job. I think that his that his demeanor and coaching style fits perfect there. Mm-hmm. I don't Nor did. I don't think he's here for just one more year, Rami. So sorry you're out here. You're getting no points today. I like Michigan. I like Michigan. Michigan was good. I do like that part of it. I don't think he's here for three more years. Sorry, Phil. So Judd, you're gonna get the point and you're gonna get the win today. Yeah! I believe two more years is kind of that right spot for him. <laughs> Uh, by the way, speaking of, of Kirk Cousins, uh, he tweeted this a little while ago. Need to know, are you guys in agreement with him in his excitement here? And uh, to what level of sports junkie are you? Kirk Cousins tweets, the wait is over, dot, dot, dot. Hashtag Maction is back tonight with a gif of excited Will Smith. 
Maction, you guys familiar? Love it. Where they run I was Mac not. football games during Cun- the middle of the week Cunningham, in Primetime? Cunningham announced to me this morning, <laughs> Maction's back, and I'm like, Danny, what the hell is Maction? Yeah, I had no idea what it was until today. Maxion? Are you kidding me? No. Nope. So basically, people are pumped either. about Bowling Green versus I Miami of Ohio. You? What do you like? I'm not in on this How do you tradition. Not know no. what Maction is? Why would you know what Maction? Because why would I? Exactly. Thank I'm, you, Judd. I'm with. Sorry, I don't know where the mediocre college football can be found Hold on, on a, a Tuesday here. night. Wait, My bad. Wait, wait, wait. We, we've got college hoops tonight. On Tuesday night. We've got, I got K- Netflix. Kansas versus Duke tonight. Right here on Score North, by the way, the second end of this doubleheader. Michigan State, Kentucky, eight thirty, and we care about Maction. Yes. And by the way, football. So wait, Kent State at Toledo and Ball State. At uh, Western Michigan tonight. But it's a double header. It's a yes. double header. <laughs> oh, wait, well, one game's at six on CBS Sports Network, and one game's at seven on ESPN two. So I guess it's simultaneous. Early much. season college basketball or mid season college football. I'm taking mid season college football. Yeah, if it's like I'm, a Big Ten game, no, do I have to choose? Are you do serious? I have to pick one of yeah. those two things? So, so this is not a. You're serious. Yeah. The indignation in his voice when I said I didn't know what that was. Like we should all know what Maction is. It's a is. thing. Like this. Like How this. Do you is, not know when what did it, is? it start? When did Maction start? It's been around for years, man. I don't know if it's been around this aggressively. Has it? Has it been around where they're doing it like on a Tuesday and a Wednesday night? It's for... always been Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. So, really? are you a bigger Kirk Cousins fan because he tweeted no, Maction is back care. tonight? By the way, I'm stealing that as my nickname. What Maction? Maction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I already trademarked it. Damn it. <laughs> Okay, well then what is, so what is, Rami, what's the nerdiest, so you've clearly drawn a line here at Maxion. Yeah. Okay, what are the nerdiest sports things that you'll watch? You know, I don't think I have one. I really don't. Oh, really? I'm serious. It, oh, it's only Sunday NFL games. And- no, I watch NFL. I watch Major League Baseball. I watch the NBA. And then I really don't watch college football unless it's a team that I talk about on the radio or it's two top ten programs going up against each other. I'm not wasting my time with that, man. It's, 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 it's subpar football compared to the NFL, and it's sub subpar football when you're talking about the MAC hey, conference on a Tuesday night. The XFL is coming, Ronnie. <laughs> More subpar football. Uh-uh. Give me Netflix. Max and I are all in on XFL. Dude, you know what? The XFL is doing this wrong. So we had a conversation. Our guy Sage Rosenfels was in here a couple weeks ago, drawing up plays on the whiteboard. What's Sage? Sage is like 40. He's not that old. He's probably like 40, yeah. something like that, yeah, right? He's right around 40. said, all right, what would it take for you to go try out for the XFL. Like to go like he was a former starting quarterback. You're telling me a fo- this is what I would do if I was the XFL since we're down this path. Forget about these like recent college graduates. <laughs> what would get Rami Makloff, guys like Rami who are out on the XFL to watch? It's not it's not the guys who like couldn't hack it in training camp. It's the guys who are retired or the guys no. like it's the Ryan Fitzpatrick types. That doesn't do anything for me either. Come on, you I wouldn't I don't watch the big three. Do you have no guilty pleasures in sports? Like, really? just sort of weird? Dude, you're telling, me, you're as, telling me. I don't think I'm as sports nerdy as you guys or as most guys in our industry. You're telling me if Jeff George said, I'm playing in the XFL. Uh, no. I am watching in a heartbeat. Ew. Oh, so in. I'm so yes. in on that. Yuck. No. Why? Really? Absolutely Rami, you not. need to have some sports fun, man. I have plenty of it. No, watching no, 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 the no, no. best in the world play their okay. sport. Okay. Brett Favre tomorrow says, you know what? Could I play in the NFL? Probably not. XFL that might be Maybe. fun for a, a week. I am getting a on. A, I'm getting on a plane and going to that game. Judd's <laughs> <laughs> getting a press pass. He's going to watch. I'm going to. Watch. I'm going to cover it. If Brett Favre returned tomorrow, XFL. I'm going to cover. We're it. doing podcasts. If Brett Favre oh. comes out for the XFL, dude. Kurt Warner was you, making a bid yes. a couple years ago to get back in the NFL. Kurt Warner was kicking the tires. You yeah. tell me if Kurt Warner said I'm playing in watch, the XFL. Do you guys watch the Big Three? 
That three on three basketball no. league that's uh-uh. just washed up NBAers. No. So I why mean, am I watching washed up not. NFLers play with guys who couldn't hack it in the NFL? Because because it's Brett Favre and the big three. I did I did watch a little bit when it started. Yeah. I did but stick then you with realized it. what it was. Yeah, but he's just Phil's. Okay, if, Phil's point is if Favre comes back tomorrow, I'm. All in for that game. Yeah, you're, you're also talking about like like Rashad McCants was in that league a couple years ago. Right. But if Michael Jordan said, "All right, I'm 55, I'm going to go dust these guys in the big three, you're not watching that. Now that you just brought up my kryptonite, okay. Michael Jordan. I mean, but it took Jordan. Like if, so if Babe Ruth came back from the dead and said, "I'm going to play baseball again," I mean, wouldn't it be hilarious if, if Patrick Ewing said, "All right, I'm sick of coaching." And just to prove that I can evolve with the times, too. I've been working on my three-point spot-up shot for three years behind the scenes, and I'm joining the big three. I just want to see how much Patrick Ewing sweats at this age. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like geeky sports things are the best, though. Geeky sports things are amazing. I I don't think I have one. I'll try and brainstorm one. You have to get one. I don't think I have one. What's your worst one, John? I don't. Uh, What's your geekiest? I mean, I watch a lot of soccer. Yeah, but that it's doesn't probably, really count. That it's not geeky. It's probably Australian rules football. Yeah, that's... Oh, impressive. the old school? The one where they have the, the where pointing? It's like giant... Yes, oh, yeah. I love watching that on Fox Sports at like 2 in the morning on a Friday night. It's amazing. That's okay, I don't, even know, I don't even know if this is geeky, but like... That's uh, geeky. NFL, it's amazing. NFL no skills competitions on. during the week of the Pro Bowl? Oh, sure. I like, I like watching those. Okay, that's a good one. Those are cool. kind of geeky. It's a little geeky, Oh, it's definitely geeky. But still, those are the best players in the world at their sport. Right, but it's sort of weird. Right. Yeah, I mean, you guys know that I watch like 10 hours of poker every night during right. the World Series of Poker. So It's not really a sports thing, dude. No, nah, but it's on ESPN. So <laughs> yeah, which is also interesting. And it's geeky. So they have drone races on ESPN yes. now. They did what? They have drone races on ESPN. When? Uh, I'm not sure exactly. During football, as long as it's Generally. not during, as long as it's not during Maction, we're all in. <laughs> yeah, there. don't interrupt don't the Maction. Maction. Hey, if Akron's playing Toledo, you know, just so here, block out here's my a question. Schedule. I might rather watch drone racing, just out of curiosity. <laughs> Is Kirk Cousins one going to watch Maction, and two, did somebody slip him an endorsement fee to tweet that? Probably an endorsement fee. There's no way. Like, he's a Michigan State quarterback. Yeah, he's not going to go home and watch Maction. Yeah, he's I didn't got even a, think of that. What kids. is he all he got excited paid for about the Maction for? He got paid for he, that tweet. He definitely got paid. For sure. Yeah, or he's just a huge Eastern Michigan Eagles fan. I don't know. Uh, we'll come back. <laughs> Jimmy Butler. Don't with, even go there. With the most Jimmy Butler thing ever that came across our Twitter timelines yesterday. Mackie and Jubba Rami on Score North. On Score North and scorenorth.com. Working right side, Giannis is there, shoveled the bell, knocked out of there by Lopez. Got all the letters in Spalding, behind the back to Middleton. Right hand reverse is up and good. Bledsoe, behind the back to Middleton. The Bledsoe with the assist. Three-pointer in transition, nailed it. Chris Middleton. The Bucks have hit 121 points, and they've got a 25-point lead. Eh, that didn't go very well for the Wolves last night. But uh, they get Cat back here. So, And Cat, by the way, he spoke to reporters today uh, during uh, practice, and he said, I'm going to stand up for myself. And I don't basically said, I don't feel bad about what happened. I'm going to stand up for myself. Good for him. And uh, we'll see like what happens it. going forward. I like this new Cat. I appreciate it. I like the new Cat. I'm good with it. I didn't even mean it like that, but I'll take it. <laughs> it was a good line. I liked it. Speak- what, was, what was up with that rim last night? A, how is a rim not level? B, how long has that rim not been level? And C, how long does it take to fix a rim that is not level? 
What if that's been? See, the, is a long time. I was I, that's been the Wolves' problem throughout treated, the entire time. That last era. What if Andrew Wiggins has been bricking all these shots all these years because the rim wasn't level and nobody noticed it till last night? <laughs> and he's actually a MVP Hall of Fame bound type. We don't player. know because it's off by like literally fractions of an inch. Please yeah. credit Andrew Wiggins with ten thousand missed points <laughs> retroactively. You go back and give him to him. Springfield. Please <laughs> Who honor. Who figures him. that out though? Was it an eye test? Did somebody look a at it? Referee saw it. I guess How? I don't know. Danny said one of the Lopez brothers pointed it out first. Who? Oh, the Robin or Brooke? Yeah, yeah. And then because they're the eye referee. level with it. <laughs> Just, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, basically, probably they're close. And then they came out, and it took forever. And they thought they were going to have to completely replace the whole basket, but then they didn't have to replace it. They got it fixed and took an hour. And I will say this: Giannis worth the price of admission. He's yeah. They he's, got blown out. The Wolves didn't look great. The second half was awful. But man, is watching that guy fun. Yeah, he's uh, he's go go gadget arms Whew. for sure. Um, real quick, this came across yesterday. I'm getting this from Philadelphia's CBS.com. Mm-hmm. The least surprising and most Jimmy Butler story of all Jimmy Butler stories. I'm just going to read it to you guys. You guys can react. Jimmy Butler left many Sixers fans stunned when he decided to take his talents to South Beach and join the Miami Heat. In an interview with Yahoo Sports. Jimmy Butler alluded to the idea that something happened behind the scenes, which led to his decision to leave the Sixers. Shocking. Quote, stuff just didn't work out. Nobody knows what really went on in Philly, and we're going to leave it that way, Butler said. But it was a great opportunity for me. He didn't go into detail about what may have happened, but he did say when the time is right, everything will come out. Quote, all of this will come out whenever it's time. Right now is not the time. I'm locked in with this. I'm happy, man. I'm smiling, and my guys want me to be here. My organization wants me to be here. I want to be here, and we're going to ride this thing until the wheels fall off. I'm not saying Philly wasn't great, man. We had some really good players. End quote. On a scale of 1 to 10. I do have more that, actually, there's more to that quote. Sure. That uh, was left out of the story you're reading. And I think it plays into this story as we try and whittle down who exactly he's talking about. He did say, I talk to Joel Embiid damn near every bleeping day. It's a brotherhood man. I love that guy. I'm going to always have his back, and I know he'll always have mine. So the beef behind the scenes was not with Joel Embiid. We know that. And we were pretty sure of that to begin with. They seem to have gotten along. They seem to be... Uh, peas in a pod in terms of their personalities and their approach to the game. Um, so it wasn't Joel Embiid. I'm thinking maybe Ben Simmons. There were reports that those two were rubbing each other the wrong way a couple months after Jimmy got there. And remember he had that outburst in the film session where he basically called out the head coach and how they were using him yeah. and the way that they play offense. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking it's Simmons, but... I guess we don't know. We'll find out when the time is right, according to Jimmy. For the first time since I think I started at the station in 2011, I'm going to tell you guys on this subject, I no longer give a damn. I just don't care. This guy's full of so much BS. I think he's pathological. I think he lies constantly. I think he's a really bad guy. I think he's a, uh, as, as far as human beings go, much like Kirk, right? Kirk might be a great guy. I think he's flawed as an athlete and quarterback, but he might be a great guy. I have no clue and would never try and pass judgment on Kirk Cousins off the field. I will tell you right now, I think Jimmy Butler is a is a awful guy yep. off the court. I have I don't care. I think he makes stuff up. I think he creates storylines where they don't e- exist. This is for a guy who when Tibbs made the trade, and I thought to myself, this is awesome. Winner 
driven the guy the Wolves need desperately. We did shows from Target Center, Phil. We were so excited. excited. There's a photo, by the way. I'm just, I'm done with him. There's a photo of Judd and I and Tom Thibodeau all goofy smiles together. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm just, I'm just done with him. Dude, but this is, but if you go back, remember, there was a legitimate debate. It it maybe not even a debate. It might have been just people siding with Jimmy and fans siding with Jimmy. When Jimmy was here, and before he left and things really blew up, and and this is more like the end of the playoff run season, before the practice blow up and everything else, you knew that there was tension between Cat and Jimmy, and you weren't sure, are they going to be on the same team? Are they going to have to get rid of one of these guys? There was even talk about maybe trading Carl Anthony Towns, and the narrative was Towns is soft and weak because Jimmy thinks so. And Jimmy's got credibility because he's been around longer, and he's a top 15 player, right? And so, man... If man, if Jimmy Butler thinks Carl Anthony Towns doesn't have it, then boy, like we should maybe we should look into this a little bit, right? Maybe Towns is the problem. Maybe Towns should go. And now I am with eighteen months later with full clarity can say, no, nope, Jimmy Butler is just a narcissistic clown. Yep. And not that like there weren't things to criticize about Carl Anthony Towns, but the fact now that he left on bad terms in, in Chicago, he left on bad terms in Minnesota, left on bad terms in Philadelphia. There's one common denominator. And if you're him, like, don't you have more more awareness? No. Like, you left Chicago this way, you left Minnesota this way, and now you're going to say this about your departure from Philly with zero self-awareness? Really? He doesn't think that he's a problem at all. Correct. It's just, it's like you're over these, I'm still, like, fired up about it, because I think, I just think someone, but I just don't no, care. no one has checked him on this. I don't. Nobody. I don't buy the fact that, that there's any bad guy in any of this besides Butler. I think he just makes this stuff up now. I don't think he has any idea what he's looking at, what he's seeing. I think he's delusional. I think he needs, and I said like this. Making it up to himself. Yes. He convinces himself. I think he needs help. I think, I, and I said this before, and I'll say it again. Oh, I don't I, doubt that. I think he needs major therapy. And and you know what? With his background, he might. That's not going out of bounds to say. But I just think that, I think the whole thing with Kat and, and Rami, if you're right, it's Ben Simmons, and I know he, he had problems post-Tibbs in Chicago. I think it's in his own mind, and it's delusional, and it probably needs a therapist who has paid a lot of money and who spends hours working with this guy. I don't think any of it's real. I think he's seeing things and, and hearing things that don't yeah. exist. And Embiid, he likes Embiid. Why? Because Embiid's a bully. Okay, that doesn't make you a tough person. It makes you what Joel Embiid yeah. is. Dude, there are so. some people that just they can't function without drama in their lives. I'm sure there's people yes. listening. You've all, you've got that aunt or somebody in your family that just things have to be frantic and they have to be posting things on Facebook about people and they have they just they they it, they can't just be yes. calm and things are good. Yep. And even if things aren't perfect, that's okay. We'll figure it out productively. There's got to be something being drummed up, and we all know people like that. Jimmy Butler is that person. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler is your aunt on Facebook. Like that's that's a. Jimmy <laughs> but do Butler you now is. think? Do you now think or or take in anything he says about Towns seriously? Because I don't. No, know. I do not. I think it was all just. Uh, I think in his delusional mind, he decided that this guy wasn't tough enough. I honestly think the fact that Towns is an articulate, bright kid yeah. scared him. Think about how dumb Jimmy Butler is from this perspective. He had a choice. He had two paths. For his career, for his life, maybe he just didn't want to live. Maybe he'd rather just live in Miami, and that's understandable. People have made that choice. They'd rather just live in L.A. or Miami, and that's fine. So maybe that's part of it. But if it came down to winning, and he's always said, I want to win. I want to win. I want to win. Really, it's I want to win with very particular circumstances that I get to choose and dictate and then get sick of and then blow it up anyways. But he could have chosen to make a lot of money playing with the Timberwolves 
and empowering and leading Carl Anthony Towns like a real leader would. Or he could have gotten to town and said, you know what, this guy's got flaws, and I just I think he's I think he's kind of a word I can't say on the radio. The word that Joel Embiid posted I think he all wants, over social. He wants people and I think some of the some of the competitive drive of Jimmy Butler is actually a good thing to have. But I think he steps into a situation after he reached a certain status, even though as you point out, Philly's never really won anything. He reached a certain status. He made all star games after coming in as a second round pick with no real expectations. Like he climbed the ladder and worked hard to get there. And I think now he walks into new situations and expects people to 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 bow down to him or to defer to him yeah. as Jimmy, how should we do this? How do we win basketball games, Jimmy? You tell us the mindset that we need to have and the basketball that we need to play to win basketball games. And when anybody challenges him or doesn't necessarily fall in line, he immediately becomes offended, and now there's a rift, and now there's drama. And do you know the guy who didn't do that once last year, didn't do it once, and easily could have and easily could have pulled rank, and players actually love this guy and idolize him? Derrick Rose. Anything that Derrick Rose did wrong, I don't know. And yeah, he couldn't play a, a ton as far as on the court, what he possibly did wrong. But when Derrick Rose came here, kept his mouth shut, worked his butt off, tried, I think, to be a good teammate, right? And then he left. And that was it. But, you know, if, you, if you're if you Jimmy Butler, as a player, person I don't know, but as a player, don't you look at Derrick Rose and be like, okay, MVP, he's had problems, but an impressive player. Yeah. And this guy tries hard, and Derrick Rose kept his mouth shut, and as far as I could tell, was the consummate professional on the floor, and Jimmy Butler was anything but that. Yeah. yeah I don't think Jimmy Butler, uh, I don't think he takes cues from the room. I think he just goes into the but room. But wouldn't you and... take cues from, like, Derrick Rose? That'd be a guy to take cues from. Kind of. I mean, Derrick Rose, Derrick Rose is also, like, you could point out a lot of flaws in his leadership, and he's... He's been all about Derrick Rose at times in his career, at times too. He has, you know? But I thought last year he was pretty impressive yeah. in that room. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, Bulls, I don't know. But I thought last year he did a really nice job of he couldn't play all the time. But when he did play, he applied himself. And I saw nothing that led me to believe, ah, this guy's a questionable teammate. Yeah. But, hey, have fun in Miami now. You're making a bunch of money, Jimmy, but you're probably not going to get past the second round of the playoffs, which is where that's – I can't remember which one of you guys just said it. But, you know, if you're uh, Jimmy Butler and you're expecting people to just come to you and bow down and ask, okay, how do we win basketball games – if the question to Jimmy Butler is, all right, how do we get to the conference finals? Not the NBA finals. How do we get to the conference finals? His answer has to be, I don't know. Do you think he's never because been Because D. Rose was one guy that Jimmy Butler deferred to, at least in Chicago. I don't know what their relationship was here. That was one guy who he was like, he respected his opinion. He respected him as a man, respected how he went about things. Do you think Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra have enough Enough of a resume for Jimmy Butler to defer to them. And Pat, fought- Pat Riley certainly does. I would hope that Eric Spolster does. But I could also see some guys looking at Eric Spolstra, who's regarded as a wonderful coach and a leader. Well, but you had but Dwayne Wade and LeBron James. It was really Dwayne Wade and LeBron James' team, and you were just kind of along for the ride, even though that's not true. Right. I could see that being the case, but that's just speculation. Because I think that's what it's going to take. There are certain guys who he will, if not divert to, defer to, um, at least look at as equals and listen to what they have to say, not not bully them, not badger them into yeah. into falling into line with his way of doing things. I think that's what it's going to take for Jimmy Butler to be an effective part of an organization. Yeah, I hope, man, I hope. I wish he would have played at Target Center. I hope the Wolves go and just 
spank the Jimmy Butler heat when they go to Miami. And Cat punches him in the mouth. <laughs> look, looks at him cross-eyed, man. He's going, <laughs> dropping him. Exactly. Uh, Mackie and Zell with Rami, Score North and the Score North app. And you can find, by the way, a couple things. Speaking of the Timberwolves, Raised by Wolves, led by Danny Cunningham. You can find that three days a week in podcast form on the Score North app, Apple and Spotify. Just search Raised by Wolves. Also, I'm told we have a brand new Score North Gopher show, an emergency episode posted this afternoon reacting to the PJ Flex seven-year contract extension. So find the Score North Gopher show as well on the Score North app, Apple and Spotify. We'll come back. We'll wrap with Roycey. Let's talk about these bright, shiny, amazing TCL TVs we have in the studio. TCL is America's fastest-growing TV brand, and uh, we've got the built-in Roku device with both these things, which gives us access to 5,000-plus streaming channels and 500,000-plus movies and TV show episodes. Uh, The streaming channels I tend to gravitate toward the most, probably a combination of YouTube, ESPN+. I've been watching all the Peyton's Places episodes and the film breakdowns from Peyton Manning and from uh, Kobe Bryant. I'm also a WWE Network guy. Who am I kidding? I'll go back and watch a Hell in a Cell match from the late 90s because it's easy to access with that built-in Roku device. Uh, It's one of the great things about TCL TVs, the ability to easily toggle back and forth between your cable and satellite channels and your streaming channels. And uh, we've got these TCL TVs all throughout the Scornor Studios, all throughout the hallways. You can stop into any major local retailer in the Twin Cities and stare at a TCL TV for yourself. The website is TCLUSA.com. Jonathan here with the Score North download brought to you by Think Great Military Spouses on November 11th. The Think Great Foundation will award $25,000 in academic scholarships. Support the families that support our freedom. Go to thinkgreatfoundation.org to help. You can download the Score North mobile app and make sure you register for listening rewards. This month, one lucky app or one lucky app user will win two th- or 200 uh, wow. wow, hold on, hold Man, on. I'm just struggling. Jonathan is just running out of gas here. What's wrong? Hold on, you got this. Hey, come let me, on. Let me, let me this. Tighten this up. This is, this is like when a marathoner like blows out their knee <laughs> a quarter mile before I'm the finish line. We have to carry him uh, to the finish line. I didn't even hear what happened. It's Joe and I were a discussion in here. I'm just what too happened? pumped for Maction, guys. That's what's going on. <laughs> hold on a second. <laughs> Right, you got this. You got Download this. the Score North mobile app and make sure you register for listening rewards. This month, one lucky app user will win a $200 Visa gift card just for having the mobile app. Just download the app, register the app, and enter through listening rewards. That kind of blew out the entire Score North download. So that's been your Score North download. Now back to Mackie and Judd with Rami. Get it together. <clears throat> now it's time to wrap with our guy, Patrick Royce. Patrick, you know how. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. You know how close that boy came to saying, well, it went $200,000? I missed that. in trouble. That would have boosted app loads, but I don't know if it would have uh, allowed the station to survive. Yeah. Yep. So I stopped myself very short of that. $200,000. One million. Wow. wow. Yes. What's up, guys? I'm in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, so I'm out of the loop a little bit. I'm uh, down here working on something. I'm going to watch Wisconsin and St. Mary's play at 8 o'clock. Ooh, top secret? But that's not that's not why I'm here. But uh, anyway, it's uh, Wisconsin and St. Mary's are playing at 8 o'clock down here at the Pen- Pentagon. And I believe the Gophers are here in two days, right? Oklahoma. Uh, yes. They're going to play Oklahoma down here, yes. So. They are indeed. Your reaction to the seven-year contract extension for uh, P.J. Fleck today? What's the number? About 35? 
Uh, for an average of uh, 4.6 million, it sounds like oh, per that's, year. That's pretty good. That's I thought he might get a little more than that. That's that's pretty good. What's the the big thing is what's it cost him to leave? 10 million is the buyout right now with new contract. Okay, I guess that assures you that he's not going to Southern Cal, right? Or Florida State. Correct. He never was going to go to Florida State. They got lousy facilities. He, he and might have mentioned it big though. Debt. He still might big debt. Yeah, he still might have mentioned it as, uh, you know, hey, I might listen to him. Who knows, Pat? By the way, this this oh, makes him true. about the 20th or 22nd, somewhere in there, highest paid coach in college football. I just okay. looked up the you know, website today. It is astounding as interest in college football is declining, at least as far as attendance is concerned. Uh, these schools still feel the pressure to pay these enormous salaries to these guys. It's uh, it's pretty astounding. You know, every place around the country, they're starting to get less and less people come to the games. Uh, TV ratings are worse than they've been, and yet uh, they keep paying them these fantastically large sums, and it. Uh, it's, uh, you know, when you consider what Brahms making at Purdue, they got a bargain at 4.6. So, You know, I saw a note today, and I maybe someone can confirm this, that they hadn't sold out the Penn State game yet this weekend. Yep. Um, Pat, what do you think it'll take for these games to just be automatically sold out? Like, what, is it multiple years I, of success? What do you think it'll take? I don't have any idea, because uh, places, uh, you know, there's there, there's talking about the crowds in Alabama being smaller than they've been, unless it's a big uh, Southeast Conference game. I think the... Uh, I think these these students of uh, uh, current college and students have very little interest in what's happening with their sports activities at the uh, at the school, and I think that's one of the big uh, reasons. But I don't think you're ever going to be sold out for season tickets because uh, you know the non conference schedule is not going to sell out. So uh, I, I think as long as people feel like they have, uh, you know, they can just go buy tickets, they're not going to buy the whole package because they don't want to watch Georgia Southern. They don't want to pay 80 bucks to watch Georgia Southern. So I, I don't know what it is. I, it's certainly not, uh, I don't think it's lack of interest, so I don't know what it is. I mean, I, I'm as surprised as you are that this game wasn't an instant sellout after. Uh, the amazing thing is you've had two weeks to sell it, too. I yeah. mean, they both, they both were off last week. I don't know. I'm as amazed as you are that this that they've had to come up with these gimmicks. Like, uh, I think the student tickets are either 7 bucks or buy one, get one. And now they're letting veterans in with four, you know, you can claim four tickets and Stuff like that. I'm, I'm surprised. I have no idea why that is. That's got to be a factor in a college game day not coming here, right? If your own city of, no. of you don't think so? No, no, no. I don't think it. They, the only reason it's not here is LSU, Alabama. You know, they'd look stupid if they were uh, anywhere else but LSU and Alabama this week, wouldn't they? I mean, one place. How often does one play two this late in the season? When's, yeah. when's the last time it happened that I see? You know, yeah. forty years ago or something. It doesn't. One doesn't play two this late. If uh, if if they get uh, if they're playing Wisconsin and the winner wins the Big Ten West, they might get it here. Although they better bring a coat. It could be a little chilly there. So yeah, and that game will be. Probably a two thirty game. It probably won't be. You a, know what? Be a night game. I gotta let me say this: if this game was being played in the new uh, Ziggy Dome, it would be sold out. Think so? Weather? 
Yes. Yeah, our love of outdoor football, we have demonstrated we don't have a love of outdoor okay, football. Okay, did we really love outdoor football back in the day, or did we just... Were we still miserable and just dealt with well, it because there was no other option? Used it. The Vikings used it well. The team did. Yes. Yeah, yes, it did. And uh, you got to remember the stadium back then held 44,000. I guess they got 49 in there. They would announce 48, 49. Uh, I don't think we loved outdoor football. You know, the whole thing about watching the Gopher Band mark down University Avenue, blah, blah, blah. Yep. By the mid-60s, attendance went to hell. One of the reasons they left Memorial Stadium to go to the Metrodome was to improve attendance, not not because anybody loved outdoor football. Nobody loves sitting outside in Minnesota in November unless, and if they do, they're just getting ready for ice fishing season. They're not, uh, they're, they're not football fans. I don't know. I think it's, I think cold weather's got as much to do with it not being sold out as anything. If this game was in the Metrodome, uh, it would have been sold out. Pat, tomorrow, so we actually had Dan Nystrom on the show earlier. Tomorrow was the 20th anniversary of his kick at Penn State, number two Penn State in 1999. Uh, the Gophers yes. pulled the upset. Basically, the launching of the Glenn Mason era. Did, hey, did you cover that game? And even if you didn't, what uh, what what do you remember from the the early run of Glenn Mason, you know, the first three or four years? I was not at that one. No, I wasn't because uh, I don't think we anticipated victory, and it wasn't like there was a huge uh, interest in it. I, I, you know, I'm with everybody else. I think Mason had his opportunity, and they got beat by that Michigan game. That was a really good team. Uh, you know, the fact that uh, you could go and run the football for over 400 yards against Michigan and Wisconsin and those teams and still lose, I mean, to me, Glenn, God love him. There's two things you remember, the running game and the ability to urinate away games that you had won. Yep. Uh, that's, uh, those are the two things you remember. They had some of the most astounding losses of all time. But he certainly, we got to remember how far down they were when he came. You know, uh, Philip John had uh, a better situation than, uh, than Mason did. And no other, every other coach, who uh, got fired at Minnesota and came in as a replacement was replacing utter ineptitude. Uh, Holtz replacing Salem, uh, you know, and then Wacker came in and was, you know, Mason replacing Wacker and, uh, uh, you know, Wacker replaced Gutekunst too. That thing had gone to hell too, but Wacker was a complete, uh, you know, he was 17 and 39, I think here or something like that. In in the uh, in his time here, but uh, you know this is uh, the the Gopher. Most of the Gopher uh, thing is they've been constantly building, and uh, this is they got something going here. They got facilities to recruit to. They have uh, they have the Big Ten West to recruit to. And, you know, Mason didn't have the Big Ten West. He didn't have. Uh, you know, two divisions, and one of them being easier than hell. So, yep. anyway. Yep. Well, Pat, enjoy your time in South Dakota, and we'll catch up tomorrow. All right, sir. All right, that is Patrick Royce. And uh, coming up next, after we're done blabbing here, will be Royce Unchained, yes. which uh, contains what this week, Judd? Oh, it, it contains uh, actually more talk about Gophers Penn State and why that game is not sold out. Uh, and also, it, uh, Pat was very positive this week. Wow. And so it contains a lot of 
as Jonathan can attest to, positivity from Patrick and a, a, a really spirited defense of Kirk Cousins, I thought. There was a disconcerting amount of I didn't positivity. see it coming. It hit <laughs> disconcerting t- amount of positivity. Yeah, he's not wrong. <laughs> it hit me sort of sideways because I'm like, Pat, is this you? Is something wrong here? What's going on? But yeah, if you if you think that Patrick Royce is just an old curmudgeon, you won't find that on this episode. <laughs> uh, and then Judd's Hockey Show with Lou Nanny coming up after that. That's and great stuff as well. College basketball tonight. Can I just go all, all night? Can I just stay here? And sure, you want to do the play-by-play? Uh, you can watch TV and do play-by-play of college basketball tonight. This would be, be fun. The Garden would be great tonight. Two games like this, Ooh, it'd be fun. Of course, Cunningham tells me, you know what, I won't be watching college basketball because I hate it. So, Danny, how do you like pro basketball so much, but you hate college basketball? No, because Maction's on tonight. That's why. Maction, baby. Now, can we wrap uh, Can we wrap about Maction at 4 o'clock tomorrow? Yeah. Intense conversation. We got to run. We'll see you guys tomorrow. What I'm saying is, I was right. I'm still right. <laughs> In the winter, I'll be right.